Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Monday evening by Zencaster is my friend Michael Liebelf. And Mike, the vibes were immaculate to start the week. New contract, couple of wins, one one shutout, looking good. And then by the end of the week, the whole damn thing fell apart. And this is getting really old. And there's not a lot of games left. And... uh Nobody really knows what to think. It's been almost, you could kind of say, a microcosm of the season, some good news and then some bad news. Uh, where are you at right now with where the Islanders are after inexplicable losses to Vancouver and Montreal? <laughs> yeah, I'm inexplicably still hanging on. Um, <laughs> it's like, let's let's get the uh, the big positive news out of the way. The Islanders are 4-1-1 one, and one in their last six. There you um, go. And that is that just masks what really is going on here, uh, which is like you said, uh, it's been another roller coaster. Uh, I put it this way. This usually, you know, sports, you watch sports for an escape for fun, something to do to distract you from the UFOs Mm. and all the other stuff. Um, And the, the winds are supposed to be memorable. They're supposed to be the shining lights of the season um i can still remember basically every second of a regular season 6-5 win over pittsburgh back <laughs> in that uh way dublowitz season mm. uh with mike sillinger scoring a game winner in a back and forth game incredible shift from the sillinger hilbert hunter line against Sidney crosby 
Uh, Rick DiPietro playing a great game, even though he led in five goals. Those are the wins <laughs> that you, you're supposed to take with you after a season and, and remember them. And we, we talk about the Thomas Hickey overtime winner mm-hmm. against the Canadians all the time. Remember where I was for that. Uh, the go back to 2002 that went over the Capitals to clinch their first playoff spot mm-hmm. in basically my life. Right. I was 12 and I remember where I was for that. The, the uh, overtime win in Washington to get the playoff uh, to clinch the playoffs too in 2015. That was a big yeah. one too. I and and I mean, this, this, the Robin Leonard, you know, saluting the crowd. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, playoffs, baby, that, that game <laughs> against the Sabres. And, you know, there were games in between. I remember that Winnipeg Jets game in that same right. Robin Leonard season, uh, that crazy game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are the wins are supposed to stick with you. And, and for some reason, the, this Islanders season has been filled with signature losses <laughs> more than signature wins. And right. we just saw two of them. This past week, I was in, in UBS Arena for uh, Thursday against the Canucks. Oof. Um, and to, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast before about during like a playoff series or and the Islanders have like a down stretch. Just, you know, remember how you feel now so that if they turn it around, you can truly appreciate how far, you know, your, your, your emotions have come. Uh, I remember when they lost game one against the Bruins in that series of walking around. Uh, I watched the game with my friend at a bar in Rockwell Center, and we walked uh, home and just like walking on these empty streets and being like, dang, this looks like it's probably a bridge too far. And just yeah. reminding myself, you know, remember that you said that to yourself in case I do come back and win. And, <laughs> and they did. Um, and for this season, that, that, that Canucks game, in a, in a weird way, when Bo Horvat scored, they make it 4-2. Crowd saluting him again. Guy looks like a just a great fit. Mm. He looks as advertised. He loves it here. Uh, I remember just like taking stock and thinking, man, remember how you felt when this team lost to the Ottawa Senators <laughs> on January 25th and how down you were? Not knowing that I should have been taking stock of Hey, remember how happy you are right now because in about 25 minutes you're going to feel as low as you have this entire season, but wait, there's more. On mm-hmm. Saturday it's going to get any, even worse. <laughs> Emotions all over the map. Islanders defensive coverage all over the map. It's 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 not it, it and it's not like they're not done. The the, the Islanders are being kept afloat thanks to the incompetence of the teams that they're fighting with. Like you look around at Pittsburgh, what Pittsburgh's doing. Pittsburgh has like 27 points in the last 25 games. Islanders are like 25 out of the last 25. The San Jose Sharks have like 24. So like they're all playing it and the the Capitals aren't much better. They're eight eight and two in their last 16 or 18 or whatever. Um, So you're, you're, this, this is a a race of teams falling all over themselves. Mm. And, that's keeping the Islanders in it. It's this mirage of, of hope. Yeah. And I actually was saying to our friend Arthur Staple earlier today when we were talking, the thing that's killing me here is I would make the Islanders probably the third, maybe fourth favorite to get into the playoffs uh, among the teams that are fighting for those two last spots. Washington, Pittsburgh, us, Panthers, Sabres. I would put them ahead of the Sabres definitely and maybe slightly ahead of the Panthers. I think that's mm-hmm. debatable. But this is the sickening part. I said to him, and he agreed, of those teams, 
the Islanders probably have the best chance of actually doing something in the playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> it's possible, and that's what's killing me here. Yeah, it's like I want them to be. I want someone. Can can someone just go on a run so I can stop thinking about yeah. this team in the playoffs? Hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, but if they get in, man, <laughs> if they get in, my my thinking is, and I am prone to wild swings. You, you mentioned that that first game against the Bruins a couple of years ago. I was I was just I was convinced they were going to get swept. Like that was that was such a bad performance. Pasternak was like be bopping and scatting all over them and it was bad and i'm like well that's the end of that you know they survived pittsburgh which is satisfying in and of itself but this is where the train ends and obviously it wasn't um so maybe my voice isn't the right one to take here but the way i think of it is now the only way the islanders get into the playoffs at this point is exactly what you were just talking about with everybody being almost equally as incompetent over the last couple weeks the only way that they can actually get in is if the roulette wheel just sort of stops on their number. Like imagine like the price is right and the Islanders and Penguins and Caps and Sabres and Panthers, they're all stepping up to the big showcase, right? And they're all pulling down that big wheel and everybody's trying to get that 100. That's the only way to get into the playoffs here because none of these teams are really playing like they deserve it. None of them really look like playoff teams. I mean, you know, the Panthers are in Sabre people. Everybody wants the Sabres. Oh, there's so much fun that team is going to get swept if they make the playoffs. Like there's no way around it. They just are like, you know, no disrespect. They are a fun team. They're going to get swept, you know? So, um, but the only way to do it is if you spin the wheel and you, it just happens to land on your number because right now, none of these teams are playing consistently good. Um, It doesn't really make me feel any better about what we witnessed over the course of this week for the Islanders. But you know, when you, you're like, Oh man, these guys suck. We can't, they, they just start all over again, trade the guys who you can trade. It's done already. What are you going to do? Then you look at the standings and you're like, man, they're only one point behind the Penguins? Really? Yeah, they're, <laughs> what is they're going only, on? I mean, they're only, they're only two points behind Washington. And, and yeah. like, it's they have games against these teams left. It's it's Yeah, three truly, against the Penguins. It's crazy. It's truly there for the taking. But <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it is. It like, should not be. And it's there. And right. you, you, you hear it on uh, uh, 32 Thoughts. They love to say it. The math isn't good for yeah. the Islanders. The math isn't good for this team. I actually would disagree. I don't think the math is that intimidating here because they just all they need to do is win the games against these teams and then right. you know somehow make the rest of it work. It's not the the math. Sure, like the Islanders are behind the pace of the other teams, but they aren't. Uh, it's not. They're not dead yet, and they should be. Yeah, basically. and that makes that's that's to me is like it's the the proverbial. Uh, in, Oh, we, when you're playing a game against a team that you're you're playing better than, and you're like, oh, well, what what went wrong? You lost the game. You you should have won. Like, oh, we let them hang around. Like the island, they're mm, yeah. The rest of these teams are letting the Islanders hang around, right? Uh, and it's it, it, it's such a funny thing because think back to last season. I would kill to be in the spot. <laughs> you know, I think I I even right. might have said that. Like, oh man, how great would it be if we were just like six points back and there's like 12 games left and you can just convince yourself that you have a chance and that's where we were last year and um little did i know that this year would go the way that it has and i'm thinking man i just kind of wish we were where we were last year and just (laughs) completely out of it and and i didn't have to worry about it because because then you would know what what was up like right right now we don't know what to expect and and get back gets back to my original point like at first it seemed like this team was going to go on a run like that you know they 
they we'll get to Bo Horvat's contract uh, in the second half because of course we had our episode. We wrap it up, we post it, and then the guy goes and he signs an eight-year, $8.5 million a year, $65 million total contract. Uh, so we didn't get to talk about it, but we will. But they started with the Bo Horvat era starts with a 2-1 win over the Flyers, which was better than the score might indicate, and then a 4 nothing whitewashing of Seattle, which was the hardest game really on the schedule that week. And, you know, Horvat fit right in. You know, he, he didn't score in that first game, but he looked damn good, uh, centering in line with, Matt Barzell and then in game two uh he looked great he scored the place went completely bananas he assisted I think on another uh um goal maybe later on people chanting his name he said he never got he never had an arena chanting his name or he heard, heard one that loud which I'm sure if you're a Canucks fan must have made you feel real good <laughs> at that point um and you know they just they they kept what had been a really good team this year off the board and it was fantastic to see Sam Boltoak Got his first goal in that game, too. It was nice to see. Holmstrom scored in that game. Everything was coming up, Islanders, in what was has, is inarguably one of their better games of the season. That's easily a top three game that they played this year. Maybe the best game they've played all season long. And you thought, oh, wow, okay, well, they got over that hump, you know, that first game back, and then, you know, they had Seattle the next night. So this is the hardest part of the whole week. They have gotten past that part. The next two are really easy. Vancouver on Thursday on the road. Again, they're facing their former captain. They must be complete basket cases. And then a, a road game in Montreal. And calling that team the Habs, the Montreal Canadiens, is probably wrong. It's really the Laval Rocket with Nick Suzuki. Like, that's it. He's good. Everybody else is basically <laughs> AHL caliber. So, uh, But as we see, that uh, that didn't work out in the Islanders' favor. So they're playing Vancouver. Going, They had a two-goal lead. Everything is working, and then everything just fell apart. Even Horvat scored in that game. He actually scored twice. He had one called back from a BS goalie interference penalty, but uh, he had one uh, scored again a little bit later. And as soon as they went up uh, 4-2, uh, the Canucks were like, "Now nah, we're not going to lose this game. Some guy named Nils Alman scored. Never heard of this guy. Scores to make it 4-3. Uh, Elias Pettersson ties the game, uh, and then he scores to make it 5-4. At least Sorokin was not good in this game. Like, let's be honest. We love Ilya, but this was a bad game. And he's allowed to have that, but the Islanders just let him kind of take it. And then eventually, who gets the game winner in uh, for the Canucks to make it 6-5? Anthony Beauvillier. And uh, sorry, he made it 6-4, which, which ended up being the game winner. It's a nice tip, uh, but, uh, you know, didn't really... You know, he he decided to do it at the the right time. That's going to endear him to Canucks fans, I'm sure. Noah Dobson scored late, but it wasn't enough. And uh, they lost 6-5. And they called it inexcusable. It was unacceptable, the the loss. Okay, well, guess what? You accepted it while you were standing there, blowing your two-goal lead and letting a team on the road, you know, and still in shock that they traded their captain, just take the game from you. So you could miss me with all this unacceptable stuff because you accepted it at the time. You can't tell me later on it's unacceptable. It doesn't work that way. I hate that phrase. Doug Waite used to use it. Oh, it's unacceptable. Okay, well, then why did you accept it in the middle of the game? Why didn't you do something at that time to not accept it? Now you've accepted it. It's over. But they had another game coming up. Okay, fine. Listen, you lose a game. It happens. Again, Bavillier scored. Give him that, whatever. You got this, this Habs game. Go in there. Take care of business. Get out of there with two points. And that's it. And what happened here? I'm not even sure I could even describe accurately. Um, they just, the Habs dominated them for long stretches of this game. And uh, 
ended up they ended up having two one goal leads in the third period. The Islanders blew them both. They get to overtime. They get a power play with like two minutes and two and a half minutes left to go in overtime. How often has this ever happened? How often has the island have the Islanders gotten a power play in overtime that basically takes up the rest of the remaining time on the clock? And what did they do with that power play? Dick. They did bubkiss. Nada with this. They did nothing. They put a bunch of half-ass shots on. It was very predictable. Man, if you cannot score on a power play in overtime against this team, do you even deserve to be in the National Hockey League? I don't I, I couldn't I can't even conceive of this. And then of course, the cherry on top, Mike Hoffman gets a breakaway. He he ends up, you know, taking a shot. The rebound goes to Mike Matheson of all people who scores the game-winning goal with like, you know, 10 seconds or 20 seconds left or whatever it is. And I just want to state for the record, forget about all this like, oh, maybe he was offsides. The review that went on for like 58 minutes afterwards. I don't care if he was offsides. You blew the game. Like, this is like, remember when the Giants lost that overtime game and it was like, oh, the long snapper blew the snap. Why were you in, didn't they blow like a 24-point lead in that game to end up in Trey overtime? Yeah, yeah, Trey Trey, yeah, like you blew a several score lead and then you're in overtime and then you lose on a busted snap. It ain't his fault. Why did you blow that lead? So I, I just, I was so mad. I couldn't even, I couldn't, I could, I could barely think. Like my daughter was sitting next to me and I'm just like, I was raging the entire time. I was so mad. And they, okay, fine. They got a point. Great. So they got, you know, five out of a possible eight points that week. Those three points that you just threw away for no good reason are definitely going to come back and haunt you. Like, I'm just sorry. Again, maybe, maybe the roulette wheel ends up in, on their number, but man, this was a tough one. It's, it's, t- I, I mean, I, I can't even, yeah, man, look at that roster. The Habs, no offense. It was very nice, by the way, that video they put together, like 50 years of the, the Islanders, Canadians, rivalry. That's, that's beautiful. I, thank you very much. That's awesome. I, I Sincerely, that's a really, really nice thing for them to have done. This team stinks. <laughs> and the Islanders <laughs> just let them take take two points from them just because they just let them. It's just insane to me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting mad about it again, just thinking about it right now, two days later. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, the goat, that's, I think that the two games kind of deserve to be talked about together. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm going to do because I don't even want to talk about the Kraken game because that's a, in, in my mind, that's a completely different team in a different <laughs> season than the one we're actually in. Right. Um, yeah, right. That played that one. And uh, yeah, so I will say this about that Canucks game. Just from the beginning, like it felt like a very, the kind of aura around the game, I guess the vibes, if you will, like it felt weird. And mm, yes. because of i think it was more like just beauvillier and like it, it, it almost felt like island there was like the sense of guilt you can that you can <laughs> feel in the crowd uh about what 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 was going on that beauvillier has been traded and you know here's like we all loved him he's got all his friends and it Again, did, a very nice almost, video put together yeah right now, and the video was great and and for and i was like okay good hopefully like that kind of you know deflates that feeling it did not at all it did not at all uh, the Cooks get a lead. Islanders come back, and Spencer Colin Delia or Spencer Martin, same person basically, bad goalie <laughs> in in that for the right. for the Canucks, and the Islanders are making it seem, uh, you know, like like every time they get a shot, they're going to score. Mm. But the problem was the first period they didn't do that. Uh, and I, I, my friend Nick Martin, who I tech, who I host that, uh, my podcast with at Action Network, Line Change, um, texts me. He's like. Why aren't why are the Islanders playing the Vancouver Canucks like they're the Tampa Bay Lightning? 
And he made a great point because I was like, you know, you're right. Every time the Islanders get a zone entry, I think they've scored in this game. And that's two. Uh, he's like, if, why aren't they just attacking these guys? And and just and, and Sorokin, sure, it was bad that game. And he was like, why wouldn't you just attack these guys and live with the consequences that if if on a one out of 100 chance, Colin Delia outplays Ilya Sorokin, you're going to lose. <laughs> and he was right. Like, I have no idea why that was not the case because the Islanders played this kind of timid game right. uh, for the first whatever part of the game. And then they got the lead four, two and they played like an arrogant bunch of assholes for the rest of the game after that. Like, like it was almost like they're right in yeah. you know, here. Here you are the team that bought who the buyer and this buyer seller relationship, the mm. team that's going to the playoffs against the team that's going to the lottery poor Beauvillier, like, <laughs> you know, they they played like that. Yeah. Like, there's no way that this script ends with us losing, and then they lost. And that's not um, the first time they've played like that. Like, no, it's not. This, yeah. yeah. And I left that game with my dad, and I was – the we talked about the, the Minnesota Wild loss and how I sat in my mm. car for, <laughs> for a long time because I was, you know, coming to grips with, like, the existential thought that this core is done. It was just after the Washington game. Another couple unacceptable losses, um, and uh, this one was different because it didn't really it the, the wild loss hit me like a ton of bricks uh, as soon as the final horn end sounded. This one didn't really it, it was like a slow burn. Drove home was I was really mad, but like it didn't really upset me until the next morning um, that how fitting it was that Beauvillier scored and how Islanders it was. Um, but what, what really pissed me off was that was a team, like I said, that played like there's no way they were going to lose. There's no universe in which we lose this game. Yeah. And that's shown in the game plan. Like they didn't have a game plan after they the, the Canucks punched them back in the mouth. And instead of the Islanders settling down and kind of sussing through how to kind of navigate these choppy waters, they, they kept doing dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like Adam Pellick had maybe his worst game I've ever seen. He took a, a needless icing that led to him taking a penalty that led to a goal. And then he took an unnecessary penalty a couple minutes later that led to the game, the, the first game winning goal. Um, there was, there was no coherent plan. And I don't want to turn this into like, I wish we had trots kind of thing. Cause those days are over. We don't, Barry trots does not coach the Islanders. Um, he was fired and you know, what, whatever the circumstances were for that, We'll never know. Um, but the one thing I will say is that when the Islanders had trots, when the, hell, like when the Islanders were coached by Ted Nolan, when the Islanders were coached by Jack even Jack Capuano to an extent, like <laughs> there, there was there was at least a a plan in in situations like that. Like hmm. to me, the, the the trots thing was look, you just got to weather the storm and 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 kind of. I don't want to say shell up because that's not what they did, but they were, they didn't take unnecessary risks. They, they were disciplined in their defense and they just bet on themselves to be able to yeah. get out of whatever situation they were in. You will get an opportunity and you need to take it and then right. game over. That was always kind of the trots. Yep. And and that, that opportunity might even just be getting the puck deep and forechecking for two I, minutes. Yeah. Right. Like it doesn't have to be a goal. It's just, you're going to get an opportunity to relieve the pressure and you need to be able to take it. Um, Like Ted Nolan's side too. Like it was, we're going to throw everything we can in front of the puck. 
everyone's going to be blocking mm-hmm. shot. Brendan Witt's going to walk out of here with a black eye because he just <laughs> took a puck under. Sean Hill, Sean Hill is you know going to mm-hmm. play thirty two minutes. Like there was there was a game plan to, into these mm-hmm. situations, and this group of the Islanders don't. This this version doesn't seem to have that. Mm-hmm. When the going gets rough, the Islanders. They they sure they I guess they stick to Plan A, but their Plan A is not built to to get themselves out of deep water. Um, and I left that game thinking this team does not have an identity. Their identity is they have Ilya Sorokin, and now they can probably score a couple more goals because they got Bo Horvat. Um, and I was saying to myself, I hope that I'm proved wrong on Saturday and. Because not only are the Islanders not know how to manage situations on the ice when they're struck with adversity in a game, but another thing I think Trotz was so good at was managing the kind of situation they're in in a season. The season you have to coach the to the team to the season too, mm. which means that that team is going to come out like their hair is on fire on Saturday. It's an overmatched opponent, and they're just going to put the game away. Uh, as quickly as they can, and then they're going to sort out whatever details they need to uh, in the two practice days that they have because they have a couple of days off finally mm-hmm. um, after it. And some, you know, you you can it's easier said than done, of course. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But you just knew that they were going to come out. The effort was going to be there. There's going to be a push. And the Islanders came out on Saturday, and it looked like they were a team that. You know, it felt very October twenty sixth, yeah, or something. There was no urgency at all in, in anybody's game. Um, there was no urgency in the way the game was coached. There was, there was nothing that told you that this team needed these two points desperately, mm. uh, and that was so concerning to me. Yeah, no, that's all well said, and I can't, I can't disagree with a single thing you said because it was there was no urgency, and I feel like that also goes back to trots a little bit and. It's something that I complained about during his, you know, because let's not forget, there were long losing streaks under trots too. And I feel like, and I pinpoint this one time, it was in his first season, he was given an interview with um, uh, NHL Network, and he was like, you know, you could spend all day in our zone, but you're not going to get anything. So we're very comfortable in our own zone. And that kind of struck me as a little arrogant. (laughs) Um, And I feel like this team still kind of operates under that same idea, except now you might get something if you hang out all day in their zone. like. And so there's very little urgency to get the puck back. Noah Dobson, you know, is struggling a little bit these days. He, uh, we'll talk about practice today in, in a second. But like, at one point, I forget if I think it was in the the Montreal game. Like he was basically like treating the puck like a priceless Fabergé egg. Like he was just like kind of like bobbling it around. I think he tried to pass it to somebody who was like a foot away from him. And then there's another guy who was there, kind of got in the way. And it's like, what what are we? What is the plan here? Like, why are we? so afraid to make a play why are we so you know like you said there's no sense of urgency there's no sense of like let's get this out then there was a play at the blue line this was almost definitely in the montreal game where you know you pass it to somebody somebody passed it to somebody else at the blue line i think it might have been fashing over there and he was all set to to get out but then there was there was a canadians player right in his way and it just turned it right back around and it went right back into their zone and they started cycling for another couple of seconds like I'm glad you guys are comfortable in your own zone, but how about getting more comfortable playing in the other team's zone? Like, I don't want to see you guys playing in your own zone all the time because frankly you're chasing 
And, and this is what drives me nuts. Like you're just chasing and chasing and chasing. And this was like the, the thing that they talked about on 32 thoughts before Horvat, which is like, Oh, they, you know, they work so hard to get a goal that they're once they're gassed. Well, now they've got a guy who can help them score a lot easier. And in fact, Horvat has helped on the power play. He's made it, you know, actually function like an NHL power play again, which is nice, but like, they're still doing the same thing. And this is what concerns me. Everything you said about, and that stuff is concerning the lack of urgency, 100% concerning, but what gets concerning to me is that they look tired. Like, don't they look tired on the ice? And I, you know, last year, okay, fine. It sucked. They went, they didn't make the playoffs. So I thought to myself, you know what, maybe in a, in a way this works out. It's been a long three years get an extra month or two of rest, go to the Bahamas, do whatever, just relax, you know? But now the season's not even over and you guys look tired. <laughs> like, I don't understand why, why is this? Like, do we, do we need a new training staff here? Like, I don't, I don't understand why, why does it look like we're huffing and puffing? This looks like me at the gym next, you know, when I'm next to some guy who's half my age and twice my size, you know, he's like, he looks like a wrestler and I'm just sitting there trying to not trying to survive to the end of the class, you know? And I just, I don't know. It's just weird that this, it looks like this. What, what is going on? Why do they look like this? There's no, like you said, there's no structure, there's no plan and no urgency. And then, you know, you're just chasing it before you know it. You've, you've lost points to teams that frankly you should have beaten. It's just, it's inexplicable. I, I don't want to say it's inexplicable, but like, yeah, it is. It's shocking. I guess it is. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I think it's, I, I mean, it, and Eric Hornick put out that stat that I think the Islanders lead the league and, points given away when they've right. been up by two sorry not up going into the second period and uh that just tells me that like there's no uh it's it's like this is a team that doesn't really know how to deal with pushes and there's another yeah. thing that this team did really well was like they kind of understood when the push was coming uh in their good years and, and they talked about it all the time in playoff series just like the ebbs and flows of not just a game but an entire playoff series and knowing when those pushes are coming and recognizing, okay, we're, we're kind of fighting an uphill battle here. Like, here's what we need to do. Like we don't need to force it and we don't need to try to skate the puck out of the zone or force a pass and uh, to get out. Like we just need to survive a little bit and then we'll, we'll, we'll get them back. Cause uh, that's just the nature of the sport. But uh, yeah, it's, I think there's, there's plenty of like uh, stuff there's a lot of stuff kind of that is ringing these these alarm bells are ringing about whether it's the coaching or just the players itself the roster you can you can look at a lot of different things and i think there's there's a lot of things that are flawed about this team and you can order them however you want and you can probably make a salient argument about them and uh i think you know one of the most discouraging parts of this uh two-game losing streak is that uh i was that Flyers game, uh, I was like, you know what? That was that felt it felt Troxian because it felt like they actually did manage the situation. First yeah. game back from a break. Look, we know we're not going to be sharp. We just need to do whatever we can to get over the line. And I thought they played a pretty good game given the circumstances and the context. And then they built off it in Seattle against Seattle. Um, and what was most discouraging was a certain first line winger. <laughs> Looked like, hey, he might be, he might be turning things around just a little bit. Not, does he belong on the first line with Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat? Probably not, mm. but he's there. Uh, we're not the ones making the decision, so we got to live with it. And he's looking all right. Mm. Uh, we all root for him. We're hoping that one day he wakes up and has drank some elixir that makes him 
2019 Josh Bailey or <laughs> Boston Bruins playoff series Josh Bailey and right. not the Josh Bailey that we've seen for the past 18 months. And he looked like maybe he caught it. I mean, th- there was that little spurt where he was the best player in the NHL mm-hmm. around his 1,000th game um, this season. And I thought maybe we were getting one of those. Uh, and then he challenged Adam Pellick for the title of worst game uh, of the season from any individual player. I thought given where they play in the lineup, right? Like you could mm-hmm. say everybody was bad in that Canucks game and there were, whether it was Mayfield Romanov pairing was, ter- I think Ryan Pollock was actually the only player who I left in and Horvat and Barzell. Like I was like, you know what? They played all right. Nelson too. Paul Mary. Bull, Bull Duke followed up that first goal, NHL goal with a, a pretty sloppy game. I think his yeah, numbers weren't was, too terrible, but he was, he was pretty Yeah, bad. he was bad. I mean, they were all, they were all yeah. bad except I think like you can say Pollock, hmm. Nelson, Barzell, Horvat and Paul Mary were like the only guys yeah. that they kind of could walk out of there thinking, all right, I played all right. Yeah. Um, and, but, but Bailey, like, he just completely reverted back to the the like net negative that he's been, mm. and I, I'm just I can't I can't fathom the coaching staff just sitting there watching your two best players now they're clicking. Mm. There's this like undeniable chemistry between the two of them. It's looking like a really good fit, and then the third player on that line is turning the puck over on half his shifts. So those two players who I just spoke about having this terrific chemistry, one of whom is on pace for 50 goals and the other one is getting back to, to challenging for a point per game in a, in a really important season. He's your, he is your kind of engine of the offense. It's You want to really cultivate that magic. And the way you don't, the way that magic dies is by the third member of the trio getting the puck on an easy outlet pass from his defenseman in his own zone, looking up and then passing it to the guy he's exactly not supposed to pass it to. <laughs> I remember the play you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's it just keeps happening every game. Um, and the concerning thing is, like, if that's not working, what do you do? Yeah, You've got to do something because it's, it's, it, it, it's clearly not the best fit. Yeah. Uh, as a third man in and, and I think you know this is where they miss Wallstrom and at least he gives them some flexibility but if it's not him and then he doesn't he really doesn't want to break up Nelson Palmieri and Lee and mm. all this stuff but you're gonna have to do something because yeah it, it's the fifth you you need you need to win like they they're catching a, a, a knock on wood because this is the third straight game where they're catching a really good schedule spot the Senators yeah. are playing on Monday night, and they're going to be playing their four-string goalie, some some guy named like Kevin Mathelson or something. I <laughs> who knows. Um, and they're traveling to Long Island for the game. They just played the Canucks on a back-to-back. They played the the Canadians coming back from their long All-Star break. Now they're getting this gift, um, and a way to just absolutely stomp out an opponent in those spots is by your first line just taking over the game. Hmm. Um, and they just I don't think they're going to be able to do that without a little bit of a change there. And that's, that kind of goes back to, I don't know. I don't know what, what the coaching game plan is here. Yeah. And I'm, I don't, I don't know shit about systems and, and <laughs> how to like, you know, do this stuff or whatever. So that, that's why I'm always kind of want to like get mad at the coach. Cause I, I mean, I don't, you know, who knows, but like when it comes down to kind of decision, just roster decisions and who to play where and, and, when to just like lean on a couple guys to take over a game and against an overmatched opponent and 
considering where they are in the standings, you need to literally do every, you need to treat every game like it's a must win at this point. Like you just need to go for broken. This is, it doesn't seem like he's, uh, the coaching staff is comfortable doing that. So, uh, the, um, coaching staff today. So they had practice today, speaking of the coaching staff. And, uh, apparently Lane Lambert was very animated throughout the court, the, the practice. And he was very vocal. And in fact, was shouting at some players, including Noah Dobson about losing puck battles and get in there and like, you know, keep that guy from, from getting that, that puck from you, that, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's terrific. You've got 25 games left in your season. Now you've decided to do this kind of stuff. Now, you know, I get it that practice time is very valuable and very scarce throughout the regular season. I understand that. But again, it gets back to what I was saying before. Like, why not fix the problems as they're happening? And like Josh Bailey is a perfect example of that. Now, look, I think we all can understand why he's there because nobody else fits that that profile. If Cal Clutterbuck was healthy, and I know that's a big ask these days because he's almost never healthy, and he was in his normal spot on the fourth line, I bet Hudson Fashing would be up on that first line. and. uh and Bailey would be scratched. Like, and is, is fashing the perfect uh, winger for that line? No, but he'd probably be giving you more than Bailey is giving you now. Uh, to me, this last couple of games and, and Bailey's season in general have got me, I'm fully right now on board with the fact that they're probably going to buy him out over the, this offseason. He's going to have one more year left at 5 million. Maybe they can get somebody to take him as a, you know, because that's what happened with Nick Letty. Like, you know, they found with one year left at 5 million, somebody could take you because then they could just flip you. So, I mean, that happened with Letty. I know I don't want to revisit the Devon Taves trade, but I've heard a lot like, oh, why didn't they try, didn't they try to trade Letty instead of Taves? They did. Nobody wanted Letty at five and a half for two more years. <laughs> like, you know, one year at five and a half is one thing. Two years is another thing. So five and a half million on Josh Bailey for one year. Maybe they could find somebody to take him, but I highly, highly doubt that. His buyout is actually pretty reasonable. And I think this year, look, the guy has spent a thousand games as an Islander. Like. You can't you can't take that away from him. And a lot of those games, and a lot of particularly a lot of playoff games, have been very very good. And Josh Bailey has been a valuable player for this team for a long time. But man, he's hard to watch this year. I mean, this these you, well you just talked about is one game, but it's been like sixty yeah, games of this. It's, been- <laughs> it's just you know once in a while there's a good one, but then it's followed by five or six just terrible ones. It's like man, what, what are you, what, dude? What are you yeah. doing? I know. I mean, yes, yeah, and it's just the exact reason you have a Josh Bailey on your team is, and they they even like gave him kudos, right? Barzell and Lambert and maybe mm-hmm. Horvat. I don't know. After the the cracking game, talking about his IQ and <laughs> hockey IQ, and that's great, but it's not showing right now. Which and this this kind of brings me back to the coaches. Like, if it's not working right now, and and, and if it took if this whole thing with the practice and it, it feels very uh, closed door meeting to me uh that okay me we talked about um during when they went to the pacific northwest trip how we're like uh it's very clear this team needs help but mm-hmm. I, you might want to be proactive rather than reactive in this situation because things are going to get worse with the schedule and that's kind of what happened um mm-hmm. and they finally got the help and maybe it is going to end up being too late um but this was this has been coming and mm-hmm. and like even the the, the practice today and the thing with Dobson, like that stuff's been coming. The defensive flaws have shown. And I remember last year, someone asked, I think it was Andrew Gross asked Barry Trotz a question uh, about the team struggling and uh, uncharacteristic defensive play or something. And Trotz was, said something along the lines of, well, is it uncharacteristic of us right now? Cause I would say it's very characteristic that this right. is the way we're playing. 
And I remember when he said that, and I'm saying, oh man, like he's right. Like they're they're a bad team right now, and they're playing bad. So that is characteristic when a bad team plays bad. Uh, and to me, it feels like people will say that to about this team. Like, ooh, this doesn't this doesn't look like the Islanders. Well, what Islanders have you been watching? Like mm-hmm. this is this is exactly what they've been doing. They've been shooting themselves in the foot. They've been bad in front of their own net. Scott Mayfield, uh, he he passes to the wrong team just as much <laughs> as he passes to the right team, just like Josh Bailey. And right. he's playing with a, a, a defense partner who, if you can make the exact worst type of defenseman to play with Scott Mayfield and then ask them to play 20 minutes a game and hard 20 hard minutes a game, it would probably be Ro- Alexander Romanov who, uh, like he he struggles in the same way that Mayfield does. Like they, when the puck gets on their stick, there's ten people on the ice or eleven people, other people on the ice, and you have no idea which one it's going to end up going to, because they don't know which one they're going to pass it to either. Uh, and and there's a way that these kind of defensemen can work, but you just need someone who can be trusted with the the little piece of black rubber uh, on their yeah. stick. And I don't know if the Islanders have one of those guys right now. Uh, so like, what are you going to do? Uh, and it's, it's whether it's Bailey, whether it's Mayfield and, and Romanov pairing, not doing great, whether it's Dobson losing battle after battle below the, the, the face-off circle, right. like this, this stuff has been coming. Like we've, we've seen it for, for weeks. How many times have I texted you being like, what Dobson is like killing me and, and defensively and, and, or like, you know, we'll just say Bailey. When, yeah. when he turns the puck over Mayfield, you know, when he does it. And, and you're just like, if, if you and I are seeing it, the guy standing behind the bench, whose job it is to notice those things and, and adjust them are noticing it too. Uh, and the fact that they're not adjusting is, is just concerning because the season doesn't keep going until you get good. Like, <laughs> right. you, you need to, you need to, it ends. You, each team plays 82 games. Uh, and, and, some of them get to the playoffs if you you, you qualify and other ones don't. You don't just yeah. keep going until you get, get enough points. Like the runway's up. We're at the end of the runway here. It's the last quarter of the season coming up. There's 26 games left. Uh, you have two huge games. The two most important games in hmm. the past two seasons coming up, Friday and Monday. And you're choosing now to fix these things that have been brewing for quite some time. Like the, no, they should have been fixed. They should have been fixed 20 games ago. The guy behind the bench was also the guy slamming the bench door after they lost uh, in overtime to the Habs. <laughs> Again, it's like, man, we've been like this all. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to know how many things I've, I've slammed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because of your team. Well, welcome. Welcome to our world lane. Right. Anyway, all right. We will take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about those games coming up. We'll talk about the contract. We didn't get to talk about it last time. And uh, we'll probably throw in some uh, some hot, hot stove action. I'm just kidding. It's Jacob Chikrin stuff. We're just going to laugh about. So come back on the other side and we'll have a good time about that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And now a word from our sponsors. First is always vintageicehockey.com where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, jerseys, and more featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor and the Island merch and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Use the code ANXIETY to save 15% off your order. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Try wines from the Pinot Project. They offer a rosé, a Pinot Grigio, and a Pinot Noir that was named a 2022 Top 100 Best Buy by Wine Enthusiast Magazine. All of them are delicious, priced at less than $15 a bottle, and are available at your local wine shop and at UBS Arena. Learn more at ThePinotProject.com. Please drink responsibly. Uh, Okay, so uh, let's talk about Horvat's contract he signed uh last week just before the uh the game against the flyers again right after we had recorded uh the numbers are eight years 65 million eight and a half million a year no signing bonuses no performance bonuses which is interesting he does have a 16 team no trade clause for the last four years basically what this amounts to is he's got eight years barzell's got eight years these are your two top two guys for the next eight years like and that's how it works and so even if this season fails and at this point again seems like that's probably the most likely case they admit they'll make the playoffs i am kind of glad that i mean i'm very glad that he signed um i think the trade probably ends up working out in the islanders favor obviously they gave up a lot to get him but you see the chemistry and you see what he does he's a very creative player he's not afraid to shoot the puck which is something the islanders haven't had in a long time and he was willing to stay and, and it's funny how like players are all looking for different things you know this guy he signed he shows up and he signs and there's really very little indicating that he didn't already sign prior to the announcement that he signed but he wanted to say and he you know he wanted the stability this guy prioritized stability he's got two little kids and a wife and he talked about how the islanders were high on their list of possible destinations as under free agency which is kind of mind-blowing because let's face it if he had gotten a free agency, let's say he played out a string with the Canucks or you know got traded to somebody else and went UFA, the Islanders weren't going to sign this guy. So to get him now for 8.5, if he was going to go to UFA, he probably would have cost more than that, and then he would have been a problem. That means a lot. And so this guy, Bo, he wanted stability. He got it. He, I was afraid that Barzell was going to be upset that Beauvillier got traded because it was his BFF. Uh, judging by the look on Barzell's face every time he and Horvat hook up for a goal, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think it's a problem because he looks pretty happy about it. So. Uh, you know, I, this the contract has made me feel a lot better about the trade. He's here. Hopefully, he you know he can age gracefully. I mean, look at Brock Nelson; he's done a lot uh, on the other side of thirty. He's been working with Adam Oates, and uh, that's what he credits you know for this uh, kind of surge in scoring. And yeah, I mean, this has been said a million times, but okay, listen, he's probably not going to score fifty goals again. But if he scores thirty five and he throws in you know forty assists and you know Barzell gets thirty of his own and some other guy gets a bunch hey you know what that works for me so i think it's i think it worked out pretty well i'm I'm feeling pretty happy about it. The dude wanted to stay I mean this guy literally showed up and wanted to stay meanwhile the honors have had guys for who played here for nine years and didn't want to stay so <laughs> I guess it's kind of a you know i I can look back and we can all breathe a sigh of relief and 
hope that he ages gracefully again. That's a big deal. But uh, I think it shut a lot of people up and we could all move on. You don't have to worry about like, oh, what, what if he gets traded to the Oilers? And nah, it's not going to happen. So uh, what, yeah, what think, was your take on it? <laughs> I was really excited. Uh, really, really excited that he it happened quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that uh, it seems to be the two, the two Barzell and Horvat seem to have clicked already. Mm. Um, uh, everything about the deal to me is a positive because you're going to talk about the New York Islanders uh, and, and a, a player who um, would be a hot commodity was a hot commodity on the trade market and then would have mm. been a big one on the free agent market. And he decided to uh, stay with the Islanders. So, um, you know, people will nitpick about the, the price and the length and all that jazz. Uh, but frankly, it doesn't matter if Bo Horvat is going to be eating eight and a half million dollars of cap space in 2026 right now um, or 2028. Like it doesn't matter right now because who knows where we're going to be. The important thing is that he signed, extended. And, and what it does is it gives you a little bit more kind of hope for next season. Mm-hmm. Even if this one goes the way that it's looked like it's been going for the past two games, because the Islanders will have, you'd assume, uh, barring something crazy, Barzell, Nelson, Horvat, Dobson, Sorokin. This is a this is a pretty good nucleus of a team to to build around, and mm-hmm. uh, it's he is what they've been missing. I think you know to, he's made a couple plays where I'm like Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this is basically since hmm. Alexei Yashin. That, that goal, He's, sorry, that goal he scored at the end of the, the, the second period against the Canadians with like three seconds left along the goal <laughs> line. That that is a goal the Islanders never get. Like they just right. never get that goal, and he did it. <laughs> uh, and and he made a play. The, the the goal he scored against the Canucks, the the one that counted when he kind of just found this little pocket of space mm-hmm. knowing that Matt Barzell is good enough to not only find that part pocket of space, but to know that to be aware that if he sees bro Horvat sneaking to that spot, I'm going to give it to him. Um, and that's where I'm, I'm making the Yashin comparison a little bit because the Islanders haven't had a forward who's been really good at that in quite some time. Matt Molson was actually pretty good at it too. Mm-hmm. Like, like Tavares would cycle low and Molson would kind of like drift to a, a spot where he can get off a quick shot. And score Thomas Vanek obviously was good at it too, but his 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 light shined very brightly, but very briefly here on Long Island. Um, so the Islanders just haven't had a player to be able to do that in, in quite some time. Like even Everly, yeah, sure, he he Everly was great with Barzell, but it it was different. Um, there was it was more of a build up thing with the two of them rather than a a quick striking attack that Horvat mm-hmm. can 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 do. And um, so yeah, everything like you know looks great. To me, um, now it's it's going to be annoying. Sh- should let's say the Islanders, you know, lose these next four games in a row, and the mm-hmm. season's all but over, and everyone being like, "Well, man, I can't believe Lou traded away a first round pick and and Atu Ratu, their best pro- prospect for you know two weeks of Bo Horvat." Well, right. that's not what he did. He he traded them for eight and a half years of Bo Horvat. So <laughs> um, just be prepared for that for sure because that's going to be coming mm. um and in a in a weird way kind of gives the islanders more flexibility um 
with how they approach the trade deadline too, because let's say Horvat, you know, he, he was not extended. Like then you just got to go all in no matter what. And just be like, we just got to keep throwing things and hope that we compete because we, you know, shot our shot, but him extended means that, okay, let's say they do the worst possible outcome happens and they lose all these games. Um, they have flexibility to build around the, you know, next season's Islanders with Bo Horvat and Matt Barzell, and they can, you know, end up with first round picks. You know, saying, mm. joking around that like there's a there's a universe here where the Islanders end up somehow with three first round picks in next year's draft, <laughs> even though they traded one, a conditional one for before Horvat, right. where like you know Varlamov and Mayfield or EC Pajot, whatever, whoever ends up going, if they are indeed sellers, uh, get traded. Like they they could end up with, you know, another first round pick or two, or that's that's the extreme, or like you know, a bunch of second round picks or something. So yeah, uh, he gives them flexibility in that way. It kind of it kind of just keeps them relevant um, in the metropolitan division for at least in the, you know, the next year or two. Mm. And there should be some openings in, in this division. I know we say this all the time. So it, <laughs> it, 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 the timing's actually all right, yeah. I think, because you'd expect that Pittsburgh and Washington will kind of continue on this path. And the Hurricanes have uh, a ton of free agents coming off the books, important ones that they need to figure out not this off season, but next off season. So, uh, you know, there's, there's every reason to, to feel good about this, uh, contract. And, and he's also seems to be just a very likable guy. Like yeah, they didn't sign JT Miller to this deal, right? Like, like a good, <laughs> good player, but I don't know if I can get yeah. behind his antics. Uh, this guy seems to be of the kind of uncles. He's like, a you know, one of the uncles kind mm. of guys, like a guy you'd, uh, you know, you'd like to spend a Sunday afternoon with eating yeah. penny ala vodka with uh, and having like a, a Bud Light and a warm Long Island day uh, in, in the backyard. It somewhere. is funny. It is funny how Lou, you know, and, and listen, you're free to criticize. Certainly his tenure has not been perfect, to say the least. And, you know, but I mean, they've they've done very well, but have come up short and had seasons like this one and the last one. But one thing he's very, very good at is identifying guys that fit seamlessly into the team that has already been built probably maybe too seamlessly. It's almost like he's too good at it because if you look at the guys he's brought in, Palmieri, Pajot, Green, uh, Chara, Horvat, like, yes, all, all of these guys are veteran guys. They're all, you know, past the 25 year mark. They've all been veterans around, but man, every single one of them joined this team and without missing a beat, just an in, instantaneously ingratiated themselves into a core of guys that we talk about all the time. have been here for a long, long time. You know, I mean, Peugeot was here for a week and he's winning ping pong tournaments and he's like a celebrity, you know, and Paul Mary's here. He's he's clean shaven and everybody can't wait to get on the line with him. So and Horvat, it seems like these it almost seems like these guys were campaigning to get him this whole time. Yeah. So um, and Green felt like he would have been here the whole time, even though he had spent 12 years with the Devils. Like, it's just crazy. So, you know, that's a strength he has is like pulling in guys that they don't they don't rock the boat when he gets these guys. So that's good. Maybe, again, maybe it's too good. And they're a little too comfortable, but uh, it is it is kind of funny how you know there's there's never a there's never a transitional period. Like they're always like boom, you're in now, you're one yeah. of us. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, um, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, I think uh, there's really no no drawbacks here. Now, of course, outside of yeah us, you know, oh, you gave up futures. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Like there's definitely not going to get any future young guys that are. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> like things change, things change. Nobody expected certain teams to be good this year. 
and now they're good. You never know. It takes one guy, all of a sudden they're pretty good. So, so Horvat, Bo Horvat, congrats to you on your uh, contract. You you will have plenty of places to spend that eight point five million on Long <laughs> Island. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's going to be a new uh, Range Rover in your driveway and a very big fancy house uh, someplace on the North Shore. Enjoy. Uh, okay, so moving on to uh, the next couple of games, as we talked about before, big ones coming up. Uh, the Tuesday, the day you're listening to this, versus Ottawa. Uh, we'll get to them in a second. And then Friday, Saturday, Pittsburgh at home at, at UBS. And then in Boston, that's a 5 o'clock start on Saturday. So if you tune in at 7 and wonder, why is it in the third period? The game started at 5 o'clock. And then Monday, President's Day, uh, road game in Pittsburgh, 7 o'clock start. These are not easy games. Um, yes, okay, the Senators game is easy. Uh, Anton Forsberg is now out for the season. He had two MCL tears. Two! Which is the most Ottawa Senators injury you could possibly think of. So as Mike said before, they're on their fourth string goalie. But uh, they're playing tonight, so they're going to be on a back-to-back. And uh, apparently there are some rumors floating around right now that uh, Ryan Reynolds is putting together a group to possibly buy the team. Um, this is a game that the Islanders can definitely lose. Fourth string goalie. Team on a back-to-back, possible new owner coming in, handsome uh, Hollywood actor. This has all the makings of a very bad game for the Islanders. So they need to get these points and make the Senators have a very, very bad time at Belmont on Tuesday. Um, The two games against the Penguins, needless to say, are enormous. If the Islanders win both of those games against the Penguins, our mood is going to be very different come a couple weeks from now now we're probably going to record before that second game so we'll have to see how the first game goes but um even winning that first game would would be enormous and it would really kind of rock the penguins a lot that bruins game the bruins right now are i don't want to say struggling but they have definitely hit a speed bump in there what has been just a complete you know uh not a roller coaster of a season but like a runaway train type of season like they've just been steamrolling teams for six months and now all of a sudden they've kind of hit a bit of a snag so might be catching them at the right time. You never know. Uh, the, the Bruins always, the Islanders always play the Bruins pretty tough. So that could be something. So, I mean, there's three games. If you can walk out of here with four points, I think that's pretty good. If you get more than that, it's even better. And especially if you win that game against Pittsburgh, the complexion of the rest of the season definitely yeah. starts to change. And if you take both those games against the Penguins, forget it. Now we're starting. Now we're getting ready for playoff tickets. Now you're going <laughs> to call your rep is calling you. Yeah. Redoing season your... tickets. And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're trying to get you back into the building. So, um, you know, I, it feels like every week we're like, this is the season, but no, it really does feel like this might be the season <laughs> coming up. There is one more game, by the way, with Pittsburgh later on uh, in the season. So, uh, yeah, this is this is a big one. I, I mean, are you planning on taking in either of these two home games uh, this week? Or yeah, I'm not going tomorrow uh, right. for sure. But uh, the this is you can't cry over spilt milk, and I'm not going to try to do it. But the the win tomorrow is is it's almost like the. Uh, the Islanders need to win tomorrow just to get the ticket to the to the Pittsburgh <laughs> game, right? Like right. they're they're that that Pittsburgh game becomes much less the the ceiling of like the emo, the the joy from the win mm. gets completely lowered if the Islanders stumble yeah. against the Senators, which we fully expect them to do against <laughs> their ECHL goalie, who um, right. the, night, the second night of a back to back flying into Long Island from Ottawa. Um, should they beat Ottawa and get and and earn themselves a huge game against the Penguins on Friday night at home? 
uh, yeah, that that just game that game becomes the most important game in UBS Arena history. Uh, <laughs> which you know the 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 crowd on the the crowd up until the, they blew it against the Canucks was great. The even the cracking game, which was a Tuesday night, I believe. Yes, um, was really great. I mean, I remember walking into the building. Uh, I went to that game alone, and just thinking, you know what, this, you know, I really hope go to this game, have a good time. Maybe Bo Horvat scores, and I can leave with like eight minutes left in the third period. Uh, after the, after I lose the fifty fifty, you know, the Islanders are up four or five, and I can drive home and listen to the rest of the game on the radio. And for maybe the first time in my life, it went according to scripts with the Islanders like that. And I did exactly that. Um, still don't know anybody who's won the 50-50. So if you reach out, if you want to reach out to me and let me know if you have, uh, please do. Because uh, I, I don't even know if I've ever been in, in the presence of, of, a, of a celebration of someone who's won a 50-50. <laughs> the I've never but, seen anybody win a 50-50 yeah, ever in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. So... That that game on Friday could be, you know, one of those kind of classic Coliseum games. I I brought it up earlier, and I bring us this this one of my favorite games ever. That six five win over the Penguins uh, in February twenty uh, two thousand seven. Um, that crowd was one of the best regular season crowds I've ever been a part of. Um, Mark Andre Bergeron was playing the lights out there. Uh, he was awesome in that game, and the crowd was just so good. And there was a really great buzz in the building. Um, so yeah, the win over Ottawa can can really send this this game into a, a, a kind of tier of its own in terms of UBS Arena history, uh, which which would be great. And and look, if they beat Ottawa, the Islanders are five one and one in their last seven going into this game against Pittsburgh, and it's also a decent schedule spot. The Penguins are playing Tuesday night in uh, San Jose. They've been on the West Coast, and this is, this will be their first game back in the Eastern time zone for a while. It could be Tristan Jari's first game back after a while on the, on the shelf or, or they could be playing Casey to Smith. Like it's a very winnable game. The Penguins will be on the first night of it back to back too. So it's hugely important for them to win. And if they beat Ottawa and they can find a way to beat Pittsburgh, that Bruins game kind of becomes a little bit of house money. But and then if they lose that Bruins game, then that, that, that second Penguins game, you know, the complexion of that one changes too. So yeah. There's just so many different ways it can go, and it it's so annoying that so much of it hinges on them beating the Senators on Tuesday night, I know. Valentine's Day. Um, again, it's exactly the worst possible scenario for the. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it. You just I can picture it now, like the Islanders just putting forty six shots on whoever this guy is, whoever they pull out of the crowd to play goalie, and just <laughs> losing and. Uh, you know, a true moral victory type game. And then they, you know, go into Pittsburgh or they go into that Pittsburgh game uh, desperate. But um, it this is, it's annoying to say because there's no reason for me to feel this way at all. Mm. But I do feel relatively optimistic just about where they are generally, like in terms, not where their game is. <laughs> they're, they're terrible. <laughs> they, can, right. they, can't, they can't play hockey to save their lives right now. But um, t- in terms of just like the standings, like they should not be, this. the Islanders should not be this close to the playoffs at all. Right. But they have this, they have the goalie. Uh, Tuesday night, I said this on the Line Change podcast, Tuesday night, if they do play this guy, uh, Kevin Mandelis, I think his name is, will probably be the biggest goaltending mismatch in the NHL this season when you consider 
he's a you know 897 save percentage in the AHL has played some ECHL games this season and the Islanders will have Ilya Sorokin who yes he played poorly in his last game but um yeah this this could end up being the biggest mismatch in in the season in terms of goaltending mm-hmm. talent um which makes it even scarier but mm-hmm. like the Islanders could win that game the Capitals have the the Hurricanes coming up twice this week there's another outdoor game <laughs> <laughs> oh right yeah there's oh, another yeah. outdoor game on saturday i had no idea uh but yeah there's... that's probably why the bruins game bruins islanders game is at five because there's <sighs> yeah you gotta you gotta clear the deck so that we can everyone can watch capitals hurricanes at in nc state's football stadium that age-old rivalry yeah caps right. hurricanes um yeah so like the 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 caps have they uh, so capitals play hurricanes panthers hurricanes this week like the Penguins have the Islanders, then they play the Devils the next night, um, and then they play the Islanders again. So, like, there is a chance, like you said, that roulette wheel, I think, is a very good metaphor. <laughs> that if that ball kind of bounces into the Islanders' spot, even for just a brief moment, the next time, you know, or this time next week, uh, right after that Penguins game, like the Islanders are in the first wild card spot. <laughs> like yeah. this is, it's, it's, crazy. it's so, it's so dumb because <laughs> we've, we've, how, how, I honestly don't know how many times I've written this team off and felt very confident doing it. Yeah. Um, it was twice this past week. So two, there's two. Um, I, I definitely did it when they started two and four and they, they look just like dross mm. uh, coming, coming home from that Florida two step. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep writing them off. And then, uh, you know, true Godfather, fashion like they'll just keep mm. pulling me back in but not it's not them doing it right the other teams are pushing me back in um yeah and uh that's yeah that's where we are like there's there really is there this this is a in a weird way it's a golden opportunity for the islanders this this week and mm. uh that you know what that means because we we've seen this team now for 56 games right. uh, every golden opportunity that's been handed them they've completely thrown up all over themselves so. <laughs> That's the Islanders' way, baby. That's how it goes. <laughs> that's the only, that's what they know how to do. Oh, by the way, uh, we should also mention that uh, Casey Zizekas was ill today, non-COVID, which I yeah. guess is good. Uh, Otto Koivula was recalled. Sam Bolduc was returned to Bridgeport. I mean, these these call-ups, especially from to and from Bridgeport, mean nothing because it's like a you know it's a just a jaunt down the Merritt Parkway, uh, the Hutchinson Parkway, whatever. So, uh, you know, either one of those guys could. Could be sent back. Sezikis could be in the lineup. Boldu could be in the lineup. Koivula could be in the lineup. Who knows? But in any event, they need to get a win against the Senators. Um, okay. Two two quick uh, things to uh, discuss. We have a trade to announce. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's to the bad team. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko traded to the Rangers for a first-round pick and Sammy Blay, who was a St. Louis Blue and now is a St. Louis Blue again. And he went his over his entire uh, Rangers career in the goal scoring department, goes back to St. Louis and immediately scores again, which is the funniest thing I could think of possibly happening. Um, obviously, Tarasenko scores and makes the Rangers a very, very, he scores his first game with Panarin, makes him very, very dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, whatever. It's, it, it is what it is. This was inevitable, as is his inevitable re-signing with the Rangers to some like, you know, bullshit, whatever. $1.5 million deal because he likes playing in New York or something like that. Either that or he goes back to the KHL, one or the other. You never know with this guy because he's kind of a loose cannon. Um, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. The funniest outcome of this has been, well, A, Sammy Blake scoring in his return to St. Louis. The other funniest thing was uh, reporters talking to Patrick Kane 
Um, oh, I can't, you know, I can't believe it. Well, we'll get to that in a second. I forgot something very important, but reporters talking to Patrick Kane about what he thought about the trade and Patrick Kane clearly being upset that it wasn't him traded to the Rangers uh, instead of Vladimir Tarasenko. Somebody's dragging their feet, man. If you told the Blackhawks to trade you, you'd be a Ranger right now, dude. So uh, I don't know if that's good or bad for the Rangers, but uh, it is funny to see Patrick Kane be upset. Uh, and uh, I doubt he's going to come to, he's going to want to come to the Islanders. Uh, maybe he goes to the Devils. Maybe he goes to Dallas. Maybe he goes to LA. Maybe, I, I could see him in Vegas. I could see Patrick King getting traded to Vegas. That, that's my my bold prediction right there. But uh, what, what was your uh, thought when uh, you saw Tarasenko got traded to the Rangers? Because it's literally inevitable. Like we all kind of yeah, saw. This. Yeah, it's <laughs> well. This was actually you know it's, I'm happy we're talking about this now because mm-hmm. this was kind of part of the um, absolute evacuation of the good vibes. Uh, <laughs> all of a sudden. In, in like a this crazy stretch, like six different things broke the Rangers' way, whereas like Jack Hughes got hurt, the Rangers yeah. get Tarasenko and, and a defenseman. Uh, and out, like the Islanders don't have a bearing on the Rangers, but of course the Ranger fans would love to see them fall on their faces, and the Islanders mm-hmm. did just that. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's par for the course with this this team. The the, the Rangers, um, in, in an outrageous stat that I put together, uh, have the past pat, last year the the Rangers had I think it was something like uh, five five man games lost among their top yeah. six defensemen or top four defensemen, um, and then very like maybe thirteen among their top six forwards. Only mm-hmm. Ryan Strom missed a game <laughs> of their top nine forwards in the playoffs. Only Ryan Lindgren missed one and a half games of their top four in defense in the playoffs. They played third string goalies basically the whole way until the lightning series. So uh, you'd, you'd expect some luck regression to come for them. And, but, Oh, by the way, last year, so they, they have all this, this luck with their health last year and uh, half the league got COVID 80% of the league at least was affected by it. <laughs> not that team. Yeah. Somehow. Um, one did but, not. <laughs> yeah. One did not. And uh, you can guess which one it was. So then we fast forward to this year um, the Rangers have had five defensemen, uh, their top five defensemen, have missed a grand total of two games, and both were by Ryan Lindgren. Uh, their their top nine forwards have missed a total of thirteen, uh, two of which were healthy scratches of Alex's Lafreniere and Capo Caco. Oh no, uh, Jimmy VC, and then Philip Heedle missed eight, and I think Chris Kreider missed two. Um, and that's how we get to 12 or 13, whatever it is, everybody else fully healthy. Um, so th- they're, they're on a roll. Nobody gets hurt on this team. Nobody misses it. You know, so much as sneezes and misses a ship uh, for this team. And then they get Tarasenko. Meanwhile, the Islanders are diving. This is all part of the torture of being an Islander fan. Cause you just look over there and you're like, yeah, the, you know, I've got Ranger fan friends who just got a text and we're like, Oh, holy shit. This is awesome. We got Tarasenko. Meanwhile, like you said, it was inevitable. Like this was coming and, and the Rangers really had to do nothing to make it happen. The Islanders, it felt like we had to go over the top in the Psalm to get Bo Horvat in. Like it felt like, it, you know, it was like we had to fight tooth and nail and, and gain inch by inch to get this guy. And and, and there was a lot of sacrifices and losses um, game losses, obviously, is what I'm talking about, that, that really stung and left us wounded uh, to mm. make the trade that we did. 
Um, and then when it was made, everybody just criticized it. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like you've oh you guys finally got over the top and and took took the you know the the prize that you've been desperately needing. Mm. Um, and you've been derided by the press coming home. You know you you expect mm. to pull into port in in Dover or or wherever in England and and be welcomed home as heroes for getting Bo Horvat and instead uh they're throwing tomatoes at you. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> the Rangers are the uh the unit that's uh got the easy assignment. They're just kind of maybe somewhere in uh I don't know Scandinavia. Mm. Maybe the war will reach them and they get Tarasenko and come home and they're hailed as heroes. What a trade. Yeah. What a unit. Um look out for these guys. Um so excited to watch what they can do in the playoffs. Look, look, look at these yeah. two buddies. From the yeah. same country. When does this ever happen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it's he he joins a list of like six different players on this team, this mm. version of the Rangers that would only be traded to one team, and it was the Rangers. Right. Like this isn't this isn't some you know Kyle Dubas masterclass signing mm. David Kampf to league minimum. <laughs> this is this is uh. The Rangers literally get handed things, and and yeah. I I texted a couple of people I'm like I, I get why their fan base I like I don't even blame them for being entitled because yeah. they, what else do they know like what else mm. do they know besides you know here's this guy here's that here's your the one of the best defensemen in the league only wants to play for you guys mm. um, your next captain he's not going to accept a trade anywhere except to New York yeah. like this is this is just what happens to this team so. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean it is what it is. It's luckily like the next three months of their games are pretty much meaningless because they're playing. Uh, you know, like they're going to finish second or third in the division with the right. de- they'll play the Devils in the first round. <laughs> this 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 playoff system's <laughs> hilarious. The Leafs and Lightning have basically played. We'll, we'll end up playing sixty meaningless games this season. Right, uh, just just building up to their best of, to their seven game season, uh, and the Rangers <laughs> and Devils are are in the middle of doing that as well. So, um. What a system! But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. They they are entitled. Uh, it does happen, and they do get handed to them uh, stuff. Speaking of Kyle Dubas, he held court the other day and uh, said absolutely nothing. So uh, he held court while the trade was going down, and it was yeah. like, guys over here, you guys right. don't don't worry about Tarasenko. This hmm. Dubas is talking, and he's saying that he might make a big trade, but he doesn't yeah. want to give up assets. This is a groundbreaking stuff, right? He he doesn't want to you know he yeah he he's looking for a defenseman, but he might also be looking for a forward. Stop the presses! <laughs> get everybody on board with this. Get me on the get get copy on the phone. Tell them to get this in the paper today. Wow, incredible, incredible stuff coming from Toronto. Fifty-seven guys writing about, and then Frege, our buddy, today was like, uh, I think Dubis is trying to. Uh, you know, uh, keep everybody confused about which way he's going to go. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he's doing. He, de- he definitely isn't trying to, like, save his ass and try and get through the second round <laughs> of the playoffs, you know. But anyway, um, so uh, so that we had one trade to announce, but we don't have another trade to announce <laughs> because Jacob Chikrin is still a, an Arizona Coyote. And I just I said this on Twitter and I'm going to say it again because I thought I was being very clever. And I said that he is the perfect personification of the Arizona Coyotes because he is still there. And nobody's 100% sure why. Like, why is this guy still here? Why has he not been traded yet? It's insane. Just trade the guy. Now, chances are 
but he's probably hurt and they don't want to say it. He's been held out for trade related purposes. Okay. Sure. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he's definitely not hurt, but, and, and he definitely isn't going to get hurt as soon as he gets traded someplace else. I'm so sick to death of hearing about Jacob Chikrin. I can't, and people that want him traded to the Islanders, why? What does he even do? I don't understand. Why is this guy so valuable? He had a good season like three years ago, and he's been hurt for most of the time since. I just, I don't get, it. I really don't get it. I just, I'm so, I've never heard about some guy who is so okay getting talked about so much as if he's like the missing piece to somebody's championship puzzle. And I watch him get traded to some team when they win the cup, but like, it's just, I don't know. I can't take it anymore. And and I I, I actually thought to myself today, if Chicken ever got traded to the Canucks, we'd never hear about anything else ever again. Cause that's the <laughs> only two things we ever hear about Jacob Chikrin and the Canucks. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, there, there's that whole thing when the NBA trade deadline happens every year and everyone's like, why can't this be like this in the NHL? It's like, uh, what do you mean? Why would you ever want that? Like, why would right. you want your guys just to like Durant, be on your yeah. team? And then <laughs> you, you, you grow to love these guys. And then the next day you wake up and, and they're they're not playing for the team you want. Like, yeah. I don't understand that at all. There's this weird obsession with the fact that the NHL is not the NBA. And mm. I think there's a lot of good things about that. Um and the player movement is definitely one of them. Um, yeah. But um, the downside to that is that since nothing happens in the NHL and it is just an absolute snooze fest uh, right. outside of the boring Islanders making a huge trade and then the Rangers doing it, the mm. uh, the downside is that that means that all these guys just fill fill the void with oxygen and and there's you know this class of insiders who just. Yeah, you, you know how this happens on, on our sister podcast, Weird Islanders, all of a sudden we'll say one name, maybe it's Justin Papineau, or we'll say another name and it's maybe Drew Fada. And the next thing you know, we've just rattled through like 18 different names and <laughs> talked about their their slow, small Islander careers and we're just naming guys because it's mm. fun. Um, and that's kind of the point of that podcast. Yeah. Whereas like these Islander, insi- Islander insiders, these um these NHL insiders they basically do the same thing except with trades and they're uh there's 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 definitely a few where um you you put a lot of stock into what they're saying i think mm-hmm. elliot friedman is definitely one of them like when he because yeah. he he's pretty upfront about not wanting to like he won't he'll say like you know i heard something about you know this team and maybe a player and he won't name the player and because he doesn't want you know just to to throw us all on a Mm. wild goose chase about whether who's who's going to trade for Shane Goss to spare uh <laughs> you know uh but uh there's then there's the there's another whole host of people that literally just fill web urls and tweets mm. and space and oxygen the athletic writes a trade board list every day chris johnston puts out a trade big board tweet every day the mm. daily face off Frank Saravalli does the same. He's writing 57 stories, one story every day for the for the for the trade deadline. I'm not even kidding. He's doing yeah. that and he's bragging about it. Like he's writing about 57 different players, um, leading into the trade deadline. And I get that that stuff, you know, is is kind of, you know, people eat it up and it, it, it'll do numbers. But I mean, at some point you're just naming names like we name Kevin Colley or yeah. Joel Bouchard. <laughs> where you're just naming, you know. Carson Soucy, you know, I wonder about mm. Carson Soucy, where he's going to be traded. Mm. Well, none of these guys get traded. Mm. We've heard about Jacob Chikrin now for uh, he was imminent. It, his he was imminent 
to be traded. It was imminent that he was going to be traded. I remember it last year on 32 Thoughts. I said it was imminent hmm. before the holiday break. <laughs> like he's probably gone before last year's holiday break. <laughs> that was 15 months ago. Yeah. And and, and every episode of of any podcast that you're going to listen to, mainstream hockey media podcast, they're going to talk about how Jacob Chikrin is, where's, oh, well, what are you hearing about Chikrin this week? It was, who Hmm. knows? Because (laughs) it it, it doesn't matter. Like, it it doesn't, because you're going to say this about Jacob Chikrin, then we're going to talk about Eric Carlson, who's definitely not going to trade it, but we're going to talk about him for six or seven minutes. Hmm. Uh, And then we're going to talk about what Jesse Pugliarvi. Oh yeah, I just wonder one. if he needs a change of scenery. <laughs> well, um, they, I, they moved on from Pulleyavi for a while now, but yes, he's definitely in that camp. Yeah, it's just the, yeah, he's in the change of scenery class. Yeah, um, and it you're just it's going to be over and over and over again. And I wish we just had a list of every. I wish I kept the running list of everybody named and the rumor. Uh, <laughs> you know the team that they're rumored with. Who's in on Chikrin? I'm yeah. telling you that since his name popped up last October. I would say twenty, at least twenty-five teams have probably been mentioned as linked to him. So at least, right? What does that do for the sport? This is how you grow the game. You just <laughs> you just throw this stuff out there, uh, right. and then this guy gets traded, and uh, finally, and it's like hmm. he's Jacob Chikrin. This isn't this. He's not. He's not Aaron Judge. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Trevor Zegers argument that we were talking about the other right. day. Like this guy is. This is the guy who's you know our. All of our insiders are revolving around. Meanwhile, if you walked out in the street and asked somebody, "What do you think of uh, what do you think about the Islanders uh, possibly getting Jacob Trickman? The right. who getting who? Like you know that." So yeah, if you if you, um, if, you yeah. if you walked into you know a, a, a Waffle House and said, "I'm going to eat waffles until somebody <laughs> in here can tell me who Jacob Trickman is," and you're not allowed to look it up, right? You're going to be eating waffles for like four straight days. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But speaking of growing the game. And speaking of, uh, you know, possibly, uh, you know, maybe kind of touching an audience uh, that uh, maybe doesn't follow hockey, uh, Lou Lamorello uh, made a joke. And this was apparently the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the sport. And he just <laughs> he just completely uh, insulted every player that's ever suited up for an NHL team going back to World War II. Because when he was asked after signing Bo Horvat to his new contract extension, he was asked by Andrew Gross, you know, if you could talk about the, uh, you know, you don't normally talk about contract parameters and and uh details but you know would you mind and and lou said well what can i tell you it's too much for too many years it's too much for too too much money for too long and everybody laughed because he was making a joke as I, that i just ruined by the way and um this was seen as uh as an affront and affront. <laughs> i can't believe i how oh i'm sure this guy loves playing for lou now that he said that <laughs> it was too many years and too much if you first of all it was a joke so pull a stick out of your ass, number one. Number two, if you don't think every general manager in this league has said the same thing about every contract they've signed, you are a fool because <laughs> they all are doing it. These guys are under a very strict salary cap. If they could get guys to play for a dollar, they would. And they all have that's, this is the agreement they have to make. This is the bullet they have to all bite is pay a guy too much for too many years. But that's that's the price of doing business. So I just I couldn't believe that. Lou was taking that. I mean, and this it's Lou. Like he's an, he's a bald 80 year old man. He takes a lot of abuse from everybody because he's just, he's not cool. He's the uncoolest guy in the entire league, but I thought he made a very funny joke. I guess I can tell you <laughs> it was a pretty good the delivery was perfect. And everybody laughed. Everybody had a good time. I'm sure Bo laughed about it too, you know, but I'm sure he said it the same line to Barzell when he signed his contract extension eight months ago. So 
and but apparently it was an affront to hockey and and people everywhere and he's not doing his part to grow the game you can't grow the game like this lou you can't be going making jokes about people making too much money for too many years what's the matter with you you i i couldn't believe it i thought because i almost thought we were going to deal with the opposite i'm like oh god this is going to be one of those instances where where someone in hockey does something remotely funny like (laughs) and and it just gets beaten to death by the Mm. next by by the the news cycle Uh, and, and you hear about it and, and you, you hear all the guffawing mm. th- through the microphones and on your podcast. And you're like, oh, God, it wasn't even that. F- it was funny. Yeah. And then it was, you know, can we just treat it like anything else that we used to treat as funny? You're like, oh, that was funny. And then you move on with your yeah. life. We don't need to keep repeating <laughs> it. But it was actually I was so I was actually like, holy people are mad about this. Yeah. I couldn't believe <laughs> it. And, I, and then, you know, you, you start to think, man, if if. Kyle Dubas or Chris Drury said that, like, yeah. be like this. Right. So this, we need more of this. This is what we need. Mm. We need more of this kind of stuff where the GMs are loose and cutting mm. rugs with the uh, or cutting it up with the the press. So this is how you grow the game mm. with guys like that joking around. But Lou does it. It's yeah, like you said, it's an affront, and uh, you know, it's a send him to the Hague. It's a <laughs> it's a big 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 issue here. Yeah, uh, treated like he did something terribly wrong, but. Yeah. Um, but when a Leafs assistant coach talks to a player at practice, it's yeah. a big deal. This is this is how you teach. This is how you you get better by talking <laughs> to players at practice. It's crazy. <laughs> it's uh yeah it it um trade deadline is is season is supposed to be fun for fans mm-hmm. and it's just these guys. I don't know if they realize they're all they all just literally say the same thing over and over again. Like mm-hmm. if you go from uh you know. From thirty-two thoughts to Frank Saravalli to Chris Johnston to Pierre LeBron, Pierre the Brown, mm-hmm. uh, you go down the down the line. They all just say the same thing over and over and over again. Obviously, mm-hmm. like, and you, you, they work for different outlets, so you're gonna read. Man, is it is it possible that Jacob Chikrin ends up in Los Angeles? And then you'll go to the next site, and it'll be like. You know, there's smoke around Jacob Chikrin in, to Los Angeles, and then you go to the fourth period. Keep your eyes on the Kings and Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder if, like, these guys uh, – I mean, they have to be aware that they're all just, yeah. you know, stepping all over each other. And mm. um, there was a funny, funny moment, though, I thought, when uh, – uh, God, don't kill me, please, whoever did it, um, and come after me for not being able to credit who – one of them came up with the Tarasenko scoop first mm. and then like six different people like tweeted out the details and then they would like reply to themselves. Oh, it's Frank Saravalli. By the way, uh, first this, these were first reported by Frank Saravalli who, who deserves credit for, for noting that there was a conditional first round pick and not just a first round <laughs> pick. These guys need, they need a lot of help. Yeah. Um, Hey, listen, Dave Pagnotta's built a whole uh, empire off of this yeah. <laughs> doing that. Repeating said, name and names. Team. He just yeah, used to name it. names and, and name put names. a bunch of team logos next to the, the names and say, yeah. here's who they're connected to. The Atlanta <laughs> Thrashers aren't even in the league anymore, Dave. How's that guy? How's that guy connected to the Thrashers? <laughs> Andre Zuzan. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know where I got him from. All right. Well, listen, we. We had we had to wait an extra day, scheduling issues, but uh, everybody got a supersized episode uh, before the Islanders game tonight with the Senators. I'm begging you, please don't lose this game. 
just please, with, please, just with this one. Please, I'm begging you. So, but I mean, but again, I mean, because then it'll make Wednesday uh, even like like right. who knows about what that happens on Friday. But if they beat the Senators at least right. Wednesday and Thursday, you can dream about them beating the Penguins. Right. Where if they lose to the Senators, you're just like these two days before the Penguins game are going to absolutely suck. Right, right. It's just, I mean, I can't even. And again, it's just, it's all set up for them to win. And they just have to treat it like a team, like a team that they got to beat, you know, and don't, don't assume you're going to win, go out there and win, take the game and win. So please do that. Okay. Uh, uh, so that's it uh, for this episode. We'll be back on Sunday. Uh, no real news to report so far on, on the future and where we're going to go when our contracts are up with SB nation at the end of the month. But we did hear, we got, we did get an update that uh, another update, was coming, uh, so we got to wait for that update, which was the update to the update. We're going to get an update, so we'll let you know. Hopefully, by by next week, we'll know a little bit more. Uh, I can tell you though that I, I made the decision this week. Uh, so Islanders Award Winners Season Two was supposed to premiere on February first. About a week before that, our lives all got upended, and so I decided to just hold off for a little while to see what happens. Well, I decided to make it March 29th, uh, the premiere of Islanders Award Winners. That'll be the first episode. There's nine after that. So it'll run through April and through May. And then the final episode will air on May 24th, which is a Wednesday, which is obviously May 24th. It's a big day for Islanders fans. So I kind of like the synergy there. So we're going to do that. I think it's safe. Uh, so hopefully we'll do that. And I don't have to push back anymore because uh, these are almost done. So I really want to get it out there and uh, hope people enjoy it. So March 29th, Islanders Award winners, season two. And then I can stop talking about it, I promise. Uh, Michael Leboff, uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lee Basky with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lee Basky. Read his work at Action Network. Wonder Goal is back, right? We're we're yep. back in the swing of that. So uh, that's out there, right? You guys recorded one on Sunday. Uh, yeah, we recorded one on Sunday for the Champions League matches. Um, yeah. and I uh, watched uh, Everton uh, oh, lose to their rivals Liverpool today, which was really nice. <sighs> yeah, and it's just another. I don't know. I don't really want to deal with any of these these one. teams anymore. And just <laughs> maybe I'll just try to find God or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's the perfect environment to uh, watch an Islanders Senators game on a Tuesday that uh, you desperately need them to win. So, yeah, uh, yeah this is going to be great. Well, uh, if you need uh, a palate cleanser uh, this week, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Manium comes out. So check it out. I got my my tickets ready. Uh, but we will be back next Sunday, uh, and uh, we'll see where they are. These are. These are three big games coming up this week. So uh, where they they stand afterwards uh, will go a lot. Will tell us a lot about how the next uh, I don't know, six or eight weeks happens after that. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. And uh, check out our last episode of Weird Islanders if you haven't. It was about sending Kanopka with our friend Travis Riley, uh, who's a great guy. And uh, it was a really great episode. And so uh, we did. We had back-to-back February 11th, 2011 superstars in <laughs> Travis and uh, Zen and Kanapka and uh, Michael Haley. So uh, that's some, some good memories. But uh, until we talk to you next time, take care, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.